Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. This morning, if you will, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We're once again looking at the book of Ephesians, and I promise you we are making progress, uh, even though it seems like we've been stuck in quicksand for a while uh, in the same place, but we are moving along. Join with me in prayer, if you would, please. Uh, Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you've given us the privilege of being in your house, and we praise you, Father, for your goodness and love and the fact that You've given us Your Holy Word and You allow us to to study that Word and allow it to uh, work over our spirit and over our life that we might grow closer to You, that we might understand and know uh, Your desire and Your will for our life. And Father God, I pray that You would uh, speak to us now as we seek to uh, grow ever closer to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, and we've, we've been looking at this passage of Scripture uh, for quite some time, and now we're moving to verse 7. We're uh, moving off of uh, 1 through 6. Uh, we, we studied uh, uh, the first six verses for about five weeks or so, and uh, thoroughly uh, digested what the, all of that meant to us and what all that means to us and in terms of how we are to uh, be transformed, how God is redeeming us, how God is working in us and moving and, and changing us. And now we're going to uh, continue in this uh, look at how we're to apply everything that we learned in the first three chapters of uh, the book of Ephesians. And so we, we're looking in depth at this and I want to read for you the passage of Scripture that's for today. It starts at verse 7 and goes to 11. It says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, uh, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? And he that descended is the same also who ascended up from above all heavens, that he might find uh, fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Uh, and uh, we'll stop there at that point right there. What I want to talk to you today is about a subject that oftentimes we miss out and we misunderstand a lot of times. And I want to get a, a give a, a in-depth look at uh, grace. Today is 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 all about God's grace. And what I want you to understand is is that uh, the the uh, the word grace here is all about God giving to us, God giving us. Uh, a wonderful gift, and and we're going to talk about that gift in just a moment. But uh, God's grace, and we typically think about, when we think about grace, we think about salvation most of the time. We think of of the fact that it is 
a, a gift from God, that it is unmerited. It's not something that we earned. It's not something that we have acquired because of, of some level of achievement. It's not something that is attained because of some special uh, uh, significance of what we've done. In fact, grace is all about the giver, not the one receiving the gift. I want you to understand that. Let me say that again. Grace is all about the giver, not the one receiving the gift. And grace is what God gives to us, and grace is an important part of our relationship to Him. And, and it's God's grace that enables us to, uh, to do all the things that God desires for us to do, to, to have all of those wonderful aspects about our life of being long-suffering, about uh, being uh, meek and and. Uh, of of having these attributes that we've spent so long talking about, uh, a great aspect of that is the matter of God's grace. And so uh, what I want you to understand is, is that God's grace is an important thing. It is what God gives us after we come to know Him as Lord and Savior of our life. We have God's grace to us. And, and what I want you to see more than anything is, is that what it says right off the bat in verse 7, but unto every one of us is given grace. God gives each one of us His grace. It's not something that you uh, basically get saved and you are liberated from your sins and then all of a sudden, you, if you're in the right line, you might get grace or if you uh, uh, hear about uh, God giving out grace and you make sure that you're lined up or, or in, in, uh, in accordance with something that He gives you grace. No, grace is given to all of us. It is a gift that God gives. Gives. It is uh, that which we receive. It's a part of, of who we are and it's a part of, of what we receive as, as our salvation. We receive the great gift of God's love and it's through God's grace that we receive salvation. It's through God's grace that we receive a transformation of our life, a, a renewal of our spirit, a, a, a changing, a, a, re, a reforming of our uh, body, of our life. Uh, it is uh, what brings us redemption. It is God's grace that affords us. And it says that God gives to each and every one of us his grace. So when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and life, you received grace. You received this gift. It's a part of, of your salvation. It is what comes to you, and each one of us receives this gift of grace. It says to every one of us is given grace. And I want you to see how you receive that gift of grace. It says, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. According to the measure. That word measure there is uh, the root word that uh, we receive the word today for the word metric. Uh, it's uh, all of us, uh, of course, so we. Uh, none of us really learn the metric system like they have over in Europe. And I think the only reason they know it is because they use it all the time. And uh, we, of course, use uh, uh, inches and feet and, and that kind of thing, yards and all of that. But 
but uh, over in Europe, they use the metric system, uh, millimeters and centimeters and, and a meter and all of that. And that word metric is all about measure. And he says here that we receive that gift of God's grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. The measure of God's gift to us. God gives us this gift of grace and it is a gift of Himself. It is a a part of Himself that we receive, this grace. And it's according to what Christ has done for us. What did Christ do for us? Well, Christ went to the cross and died for us. He went to the cross that we might have salvation. He went to the cross and took our place. All of those things are are a part of God giving us His grace. So often we think of it in terms of that that selfish act of of receiving the pardon of of being taken from spending an all eternity in the uh, in the torment of hell and and instead being able to spend all of eternity in the presence with God. Well, that's that's a big part of salvation. But God is telling us through the words of of Paul here in the book of Ephesians that what Christ does for us on the cross is so much more than just simply giving us a get out of hell free card. You know, those little cards like you uh, get when you play Monopoly, uh, uh, you get a get out of jail free card at, at some point. Somebody does by landing on uh, community chess or chance or whatever it is. Uh, that, that you get that card and you you get that card so that if you ever get in trouble, you ever land on the wrong space that you can get out of jail free. You don't have to pay a penalty. You don't have to sit there for a period of time. And, and a lot of people see salvation as that get out of jail free card. They think that salvation is all about just simply getting out of hell, of not paying the penalty, paying the punishment, of paying uh, what we rightly should pay as a result of our sin. And it is a lot of that. But God tells us here that it's also about giving, uh, receiving God's grace. And God's grace is more than just simply receiving that gift of salvation, but it's receiving a gift. And it's a, receiving that gift and and the whole reason behind why we receive that gift is because of what Christ has done for us. And so today I want to look at three aspects of grace. I want, to, I want you to see the individual aspect of grace. I want you to see the, the aspect of grace as it impacts the body of Christ, the church. And then in the middle between those two is, is uh, the... Uh, uh, authority in which Christ has uh, for us. And we've already alluded to that a little bit about Christ's authority to give us that grace. But it all ties together. First of all, I want you to see how it impacts the individual. God's grace is, is given to us as an individual gift to us. And we always think about Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as being a definition of the gift of, of the Spirit of God. 
But here it talks about God giving us a gift that's related to His Spirit that is a gift that is given to us when we become a Christian. So when you are saved and when you accept Christ into your heart and life, I already told you you receive God's grace, and God's grace is all about giving you a gift, a gift of the Spirit, a gift in which God gifts you in order to enable you to be a part of the body of Christ. And so each one of us received that gift. And unfortunately, in this uh, passage of Scripture here, uh, it talks about a singular gift, one gift. We receive one gift. You know, we, we, tend, to, um, we tend to be a real selfish in receiving gifts, don't we? When we, if you come to your birthday and you have all of your family over and they bring you out a cake and it's got candles on the top and you blow out the candles and they sing happy birthday to you and then they give you a gift, and typically you expect more than one gift. You think, well, you know, uh, here, Daddy, here's your gift and it's a pair of bedroom slippers. Well, I, hey, I could really use those bedroom slippers. What else am I getting? Well, that's it, Daddy. That's all we're going to give you. Huh? Or what about if you come to Christmas and you uh, uh, sit at, at the Christmas tree and you sing some Christmas carols and you, uh, then, and you see all these wonderful gifts just in bright packages uh, all underneath the tree and you hand out all the gifts and, and uh, Junior over here, he gets four or five gifts and, and little Missy over here, she gets four or five gifts and, and then it's your turn and they give you one gift. And you think, well, I got gypped. Well, you got a gift. Well, I only got one. Well, your one gift might be more valuable than all of their gifts. Yeah, but I only got one. And we think of that in ter- and we see that when we come to the gifts of the Spirit, we think, well, you know, I want to have gifts of, of being able to teach and I want to be able to lead and I want to be able to sing and I want to be able to be creative and artistic. I want to do this and want to do that. And we think about all the gifts of the Spirit and we, we want to have all kinds of gifts. But here it says that we're given one gift. In fact, in which uh, when we talk about the body of Christ in chapter 3. Remember what we talked about? We talked, well, we're all gifted in a, certain, a specific way in which we're able to come together as one body and to do what? To serve God as the body of Christ. And so some of us are, are, are different, uh, have gifts different from others. Some of us are, are the, the more noble gifts that are seen and observed by everyone else. Uh, uh, but then there's others of us that are just as valuable that are the pinky toe or, or the, uh, the, the pinky on the hand or, or the fingernail or whatever. Uh, well, I, I'm not as important as the ear or the eye. And what, does, what does God say through Paul? He says, look, all of us are just as important whether we are noticeable by everyone else or not. We all can't be the eye. We all can't be the ear. I just wish I had more of those who wanted to be the hair. <laughs> it seems like all of mine just up and left. Amen, brother. Yeah. But uh, we're all important and we all have significance. And that's why we talked about how, how, why it's so important for us to come together as a body of Christ, right? Because we're all 
a part of the body and we're all important and essential whether we're uh, uh, seen by everyone doing everything or not. And here Paul is saying, look, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit is talking through him and he's saying, listen, we're all important because we all have a gift. You have one gift. And if you're not here to exercise that gift, then the body is incomplete, right? And so uh, we might have several that are gifted as teachers, but we're all individually significant in how we are teachers. I don't teach like somebody else and somebody else doesn't teach like me or, or uh, you have three or four people that are gifted as teachers because the body needs more than just one. But we all teach differently. God gifts us differently the same gift. And we may have others that are gifted in other aspects, but uh, and, and you see the other gifts of prophecy and of discernment and service and all that kind of thing. But we're all gifted in a particular way. And, and what is so important for us to understand is, is that that gift is individual to us. That gift is significant to us. And that gift, while it might be similar to someone else's gift, is not like anyone else's gift. It's, it's like the snowflake. Now, I know down here in South Georgia it doesn't snow very often, but let me just tell you about what it's like when it does snow. Okay, because we lived in West Virginia for a while, and uh, up there we got so it snowed so often we got tired of it in the first year. It was just terrible. Uh, we had one night where we w- went to sleep, and we got up the next morning. It snowed three feet of snow. Okay, not three inches, three feet, and it was so wet and so dense we could go out there and wring out the snow, and water would would come out of it. And a couple hours later in the afternoon, it snowed again. <laughs> uh, after snowing three foot, it snowed another three, in, uh, three foot of snow, but it was light. No, it was the opposite way around. The first snow was just so light and fluffy, you couldn't, you couldn't pack it together. The other snow, the second snow was wet, and it, it just went right through the first snow. Fortunately, because we would have had six foot of snow. But it, it, it made it dense and compact. But what I'm saying is, is that all that snow, while it all was so much, they're not two snowflakes the same. It snowed all of that snow, and scientists have discovered that every snowflake is different. In fact, we also understand and know that uh, that. We're a lot like snowflakes. Science tells us that, that there is enough difference and significance in us that, that no one else has the same DNA that I have. And it might be very similar, and, and you might look at my children and say, oh, I see, hopefully not my hairline, but I see your facial structure. I see some of the things here and there that look like you and, and all of that kind of thing. And... And and uh, but all of us are different. All of us are significant. In fact, that uh, so much so that our thumbprint is used for identification because what? No two thumbprints are alike. In fact, they also say there are retina in our eyes that way too. There's no two people that have retinas the same. 
So we're all significant. And our gifts are the same way. Our gifts of God's grace to us are the same. We're all significant and all different. So it's important that, that even though somebody else may be able to take your place on a given Sunday, it's important for all of us to be together as the body of Christ. It's significant for us to be together because we're made complete. God's grace and God's uh, gift to us is, is that we are, innate, we are uh, endowed with these gifts to such significance that we come together. God pulls us together to be a body of Christ, that we're made complete in Him. Now, we see that we are make, uh, we've seen the individual part, that we're all individually significant and different. We saw the corporate part in that we're all important, that we need to come together. Now, how, what, is the, uh, what is the authority in which Christ has to give us that gift? It says in verse 8, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon uh, up on high, he led captive captive, and he gave gifts unto men. This is a... A, uh, a a reciting of a passage from uh, Psalms uh, 68, in which it, it uh, refers to Jesus Christ. It's here he's talking about Jesus, and he he's talking about him ascending on high. And what that is is it, that is looking at Christ victorious like a victorious king. And what would happen is, is when a country would go out to battle, go out to war, a majority of the time the king would lead the, the armies out into battle. The king would be there directing the armies as they encountered the, their foe. And the king would always uh, determine what would be happening next. And victory was dependent upon the king's decision. So when the army returned in victory, the king always preceded the army on a white horse. And we talked about this on, uh, on uh, uh, Palm Sunday where we talked about Jesus entering into Jerusalem as a victorious king. And uh, the king would always in Israel always go to Mount Zion and which was the, uh, the crowning uh, mountain there in Jerusalem. And the king would go up on Mount Zion and he would display for everyone his victory. And he would go up on that mountain. And, and he wouldn't go by himself though. He would have all of those who were uh, 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 in the army attending with him. And he would also have two things following behind him. He'd have uh, uh, those, the spoils of battle. And usually the spoils of battle were those who were taken into slavery by the other country. And, and so by uh, having victory, the spoils of battle would be that, uh, that Israel would gain the, the slaves of the, the country that they overtook. That was the spoils of battle. Those individuals would then serve uh, and service the needs of the people of Israel or the country that was in victory. The other thing that was proceeding, and I'm moving real fast in this, and we're almost done. The other thing that was uh, that was uh, behind the spoils was the uh, the captives returning. The king would bring back any of of the countrymen that 
that had been taken into captivity that may have preceded the battle, the king would liberate those individuals from captivity and he would bring them back to their homeland. He would bring them back to their families. He would bring them back to those who had lost them because they had been taken captive. And so the, uh, uh, what is said here is, is that uh, Jesus is like that conquering king and he is ascending upon high where the Mount, uh, Mount Zion and he's leading the captive, cap, uh, captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So what he's saying here is, is that, uh, that Jesus Christ is leading those who've been in captivity out of captivity and he's giving gifts to them. What's that all mean? Here's a description of it in the following verses in 9 and 10. Uh, And Paul kind of explains it a little bit. He says, Now that He ascended, what is uh, it but that He also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? And He that descended is the same also that descended up from above all heavens that He might fill all things. Well, let's take the second part of that. Uh, Who's the only one who's ascended into the heavens? Well, we see in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus uh, uh, departing from the disciples and He's taken up into the heavens, right? And they watch Him as He ascends up into heaven and and the angels standing there beside, uh, all all of a sudden appear beside the disciples and they're saying, why are you watching Him? He's going to come back one day. And so the only one who has ascended uh, up into the heavens is Jesus Christ. So what, who we're talking about is who? Christ. Okay? We're talking about Jesus. The first part is, is uh, he, it says that He descended. Well, what's that mean? Well, if we think about Jesus Christ, He died on the cross for us. And we all know the story of how Jesus died on the cross and He was put in the grave and, he, uh, and then on the third day He rose from the grave. We all understand that and we, remember, uh, we know that from our study of Scripture. Uh, but what happened during those three days? Well, Peter here in 1 Peter chapter... Uh, Chapter 3, verse 18, he says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. He's talking about dying on the cross. And that just for the just and the unjust, and that He might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the Spirit. And so he's saying, okay, Jesus died for all of us, for the just and the unjust, His Spirit. Where did His Spirit go? By which also He went and preached into the spirits in prison. Verse 19. Well, what's He talking about there? Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water and light figure. Uh, so he's talking about here is what happened to Jesus during the time in which He was in the grave. And Peter's saying that while Jesus was in the grave, His Spirit went and preached to those who were captive. He went uh, to... Uh, descended down into Hades or Sheol. Uh, this is the place of the dead during that time. And uh, 
what we understand from Scripture is, is that uh, before Jesus died on the cross, uh, and we see this in the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Remember that story? How Lazarus and the rich man, they woke up one day, both of them had died, and, and uh, uh, Lazarus is in the, bo- uh, the bosom of Abraham, meaning he's in heaven. Uh, he's uh, with those who followed after God. And the rich man, he's, he's over there in the part that isn't for the people who follow God. He's over there and he wakes up in torment because of the fact that he's in the bad part. <coughs> what happened is, is that those who died before Jesus died on the cross, they couldn't go to be with God because they had not been redeemed. And so what happened was they went to Sheol, the place of the dead. This is not hell, it is, or Hades is not hell, it is the place of the dead before uh, Jesus died on the cross. And what happened is, is it was, so you think of a circle, it probably, you know, it's not a circle, but just think of a circle and draw a line through the middle. On the lower half, you have those who died without uh, a belief or a, uh, that a Messiah would come, those who uh, were against God. On the upper half, uh, the part away from those are those like Lazarus who died uh, uh, trusting in God for salvation. And so when Jesus went, uh, it says here that Jesus went and preached to the captives in the Spirit. He went to Sheol and He preached to those who were captive and He uh, liberated those who were captive. And, and what happened? After He had died on the cross, they had been redeemed, so He took them to be with God. Okay? So the authority in which Jesus has in order to uh, give us these gifts is that He, is, uh, that he has... Uh, died for us, that He descended and preached to the captives. He liberates them like the, uh, the uh, victorious King who liberates those who have been taken captive. And He gave some uh, he gave gifts to them. Not only did He liberate them, and gave them uh, but He also gave them gifts. And He's talking about us. He's talking about the fact that when we were in sin, we were in captivity. He liberates us. He gives us freedom uh, from our sin, but He also gives us gifts. He makes us a part of the, uh, the way in which others know of salvation. And God, uh, Jesus' authority to give us those gifts is that He died for us, that He is the victorious King. He liberated those who uh, trusted in Him, gave our lives to Him, and we received those gifts, gifts of salvation, gifts of, of eternal love, uh, the gifts, and He says in verse 11, He gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and some teachers. And so each of us receives a gift that God intends intends for us to use. Those gifts are essential. We're essential to each other. It's essential that we understand that, that as we are being redeemed and receiving the grace of God, we're to emulate God and give to others that wonderful gift of sharing with them the plan of salvation so that God may give them grace as well. 
God calls us to be useful for His kingdom, for His purpose, being a part of the family of God, of, of reaching out to those who are lost, and being uh, a, a part of His plan and purpose in redeeming those who have been made captive. We become a part of the army of God, of setting free those who have been uh, are still in captivity of their sin, giving liberation to them through the power of Jesus Christ, through what He did on the cross, allowing them to become a part of the family of God as well. And so we are called to do that in our lives. The important thing is, is though, is that uh, we get beyond thinking of what gift am I getting as something that we get. But rather, we need to think of those gifts as what God is enabling us to do in service to Him, that we might serve others and give them the gift of His, uh, the message of His great love for their life. And so that's why it's so important that we're actively involved in sharing with the lost and helping others and ministering to others because it's then that we are using the gift that God has given us and using the great gift of His uh, that was purchased by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. How important it is for us to use that gift because of such a high price that was paid that we might have it, that we might be a part of the family of God. Let's join together in prayer.